Awesome. Thanks, um, Casey, and thanks, everybody. Um, yeah, it's great to be able to share with you today. We are actually starting a new series today um, called Engage the Bible, which is just going to be this short little three-week series that I'm going to uh, start this week. And, um, and yeah, it's great to still be able to share even from home um, and, yeah, just to be able to think about everyone in our community who's in their own homes and safe and um, yeah, together, and we can still be connected together in this way too, which is really cool. Um, yeah, so the Bible is such an important um, part of our life as Christians, and we do a Bible reading every week. And when I speak, whoever comes and speaks, it's it's about speaking what the Bible says, right? It's not about my own opinions or thoughts in this this sort of forum. We're a, we're a group who believe that this book is so important and foundational for our lives and um, yeah, our walk as Christians. And so it's a book that we really need to be engaged with. We, we need to be engaged with the Bible. But I don't know how it goes for you, but um, reading is not necessarily something that everybody is easily engaged with. Um, when I was young, sort of growing up, uh, reading was not something I was really that interested in. Uh, sometimes I would get into a good book. I actually remember in high school, I got into Jurassic Park, uh, the book, not the movie, the movie was good, but the book, and would read that on the bus on the way home, would be really into that and got into some fiction books like that. But in general, when I was growing up, reading was something that I should do that I didn't do enough of. And that's something that you do in English class and you do for assignments. And it's just, I just wasn't engaged with reading uh, but when I and even with the Bible I growing up I, I would read the Bible occasionally we would hear it at church uh, maybe on a camp I might be a bit engaged with the Bible or if I had to lead a devotion at school I might read a bit but in day-to-day -day life it wasn't a book that I was engaged with but when I came to actually when I came to Rivers when I left high school I went through a season of my faith really coming alive and just seeing who God is and Jesus is and the, the goodness of the gospel and being in a community that, that was passionate and uh, things coming alive for me, I, in that season, I started to really hunger for the Bible and actually really start to love reading. Because um, actually when I kind of got passionate about my faith is around the same time I got passionate about reading, um, not reading the Bible only, but also reading Christian books. I remember um, reading The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, which was this book about his journey of coming to believe in, in Christ through historical evidence and I just consumed that book and other apologetics books and just would go to Kurong and would buy books. And all of a sudden I loved reading because um, my heart was engaged with wanting to learn about God and wanting to learn about his word. And what actually happened was I was studying science and I dropped out um, of my first year of uni because I didn't want to study. I just wanted to read the Bible the whole time. And I thought, well, I'm probably going to fail. So I'll just drop out and I'll go to Bible college. <laughs> so I was really engaged with the Bible in that season of my life um, and in other seasons. But there's also been seasons and times when I'm not finding myself as engaged, when reading the Bible is kind of a bit harder or sometimes feels like something that I should do. I'm not doing enough of it or it's not really it doesn't have that same draw that it did at other times. And I think that's probably true for most people that maybe you've been through a season of just really loving reading and being engaged with the word and and then other seasons when it's just, it's harder and maybe it's drier and it just feels like a discipline and discipline's still good, but it just is hard to engage. And I think it's kind of similar to prayer in some ways as, as believers, everyone agrees with prayer and we, we know prayer is so important, but in practice, 
it can be so hard to live a really prayerful life and be um, most people would probably say they're not satisfied with the level of their prayer life. And perhaps that's true with the Bible as well. We, we agree that this is such an important book to know and to read and be engaged with, but perhaps most of us maybe even say that, well, actually, we're not really as engaged as we would like to be. So I suppose this kind of goal of this um, few weeks in this series is to look at ways that we can engage with the Bible more um, through reading it in some different ways, be some different practical ways to read, but also just spending time reminding ourselves of the importance and maybe inspiring our hearts again to be engaged. So that's, um, that's kind of where we're going. Um, and to, well, we'll sort of get started with that today and then go over the next couple of weeks as well. I've got some slides today. You have to bear with me because I'm kind of managing it on my computer as well. So we'll, we'll sort of go back and forward a little bit. But one thing I thought we could do to start with, um, which I think is a great question to ask ourselves, is simply like, what is this? Right? Like, what is the Bible? You might have one um, with you this morning for the service, or you might have one on your phone. So you might like to hold it, or you might need to turn it on or something like that. But if you just sort of think about a Bible, and what, how would you answer the question, what is it? What actually is this thing? I think there's a few questions, a few answers that people would probably give. These might be some answers that you would give. The Bible is God's word, which is true. We've already talked about that today. The Bible's our foundation. We base our life on it. The Bible's our guide to life. It leads us in truth. Um, it even says it's a, it's a lamp to our feet. Um, the Bible is the truth we're reading it. It's the truth about the world. It's the true story of the world. Um, and it's interesting. And even your Bible, my Bible says, your Bible probably says it's called a holy Bible. And Bible means book, but this is a holy book. It's not a book like any other book. Um, it's a book inspired by God. It's a book that's set apart from all other books and is in a category of its own as God's revelation to us. So that's a pretty powerful um, thing that we have if you think about that, right? Like God's word is like, that's amazing. That's what the Bible is. And interesting because the Bible agrees with this. The Bible says that that's what it is. So um, there's this great verse um, in a letter to Timothy, and um, it says this. It's this great verse. You might have heard it before. So I thought we could read that because that kind of helps explain what the Bible actually is. So let's go to that verse this is 2 Timothy 3.16. Oh, uh, actually, I studied Greek in college and got really good marks for it. And then in like one holidays, Christmas holidays, I basically like forgot it all. So I don't even think I can read this. I think it's like pasagraphe theenustos or something like that. Oh, if Bill Hay was here, I'm sure he could probably read this. But um. Yeah, hang on. So we're going to read the Bible, but it's actually written in Greek. Ah, God's word's written in Greek. That's kind of, that's confusing. So what we need is a translation. Um, and I know what we mostly use is the new international version. So I've got a copy of that translation here. So how about we read this translated into English? That will probably be a whole lot easier. So this is 2 Timothy 3.16 translated into English. It says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Great. So the Bible says, again, that it is scripture, that um, it's not just a normal book, that this is actually words, writings, scripture that are God-breathed, and they're profitable for life, for teaching and equipping the man of God, the people of God to live. So scripture says that in 2 Timothy, it says it in other places as well. And so we recognize this is God's word. But it's easy for us to approach the Bible as God's word and think that it's God's word directly to me, that if we read it, this is God speaking directly to me. And it it is God speaking. But it's interesting, if we look at the next verse in, sorry, not the next verse, if we look at another verse in 2 Timothy, actually the very first verse in this um, book, we'll read it here, 2 Timothy 1 one ah hang on sorry greek again actually i can read that first one paulos there we go apostolos christu jesus i got a few words you hear maybe some words that you recognize all right hang on so first verses in in second timothy actually say this paul an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god in keeping with the promise of life that is in christ jesus to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Ah, so what we're reading is actually something written from Paul to Timothy. I don't think it's written to all Timothys everywhere. Um, it's written to a specific Timothy that Paul knew. He could even calls him his dear son. So this is what we're actually reading. It's th- th- this book says that it's God's word. It's scripture but it's actually written to a person that's not actually me or us. It's not written directly to us, but it's still God's word for us and still speaks to us, but it's not that direct. So this is God's word, the Bible, um, but it's also, there's also another way we can answer this question. I wonder if you even thought of this. If we ask the question again, what is the Bible? And one, a few other ways we could potentially answer it are like this, that this, what I'm holding is actually a library of ancient documents. The Bible is actually a library, right? It's, it's a collation of books, 66 books. That's why the pages are so thin and the words are so small. And it's actually written by 40 different human authors, inspired by the one divine author, but 40 different human authors involved in the writing and the collation and perhaps more, more even involved in the collation and, and editing and so forth. The library of ancient documents. What is the Bible? The Bible is Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic writings from and to Jewish and Christian communities. These, these are documents that were written by Jewish communities to Jewish communities and Christian communities to Christian communities thousands of years ago. Uh, what were you holding if you're holding a Bible is also a diverse mix of genres. Um, it's a collection of narratives, poems, songs, letters, prophecies, history, biographies, and more. Uh, it's not just one type of writing even. It's multiple types of writing and even types of writing that we don't even tend to read very often. Like there's something called apocryphal writing that we don't even use at all really in our culture and, and prophecy. Like you don't tend to get down to the store and buy a prophecy book that's not that's not a christian like a like a a genre of prophecy like 
but we read prophets in in here, right? That's that's in scripture. So there's a, a diverse mix of genres in the Bible. So in some ways, we can answer the Bible in what what is the Bible in two ways. There is a divine element, and there's also a human element. The Bible is actually both human and divine. Just read this um, summary. It says the Bible is like no other normal book, any like an everyday book we would read, but it's also like no other religious book. It's not a merely human book, but it's also not written directly by God. It did not fall out of heaven, but it was written by a community of human authors to communities of human readers, but, and God inspired their words and was speaking then and still speaks to us through this book. So it is God's word. It is the sword of the spirit. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the means that God decided to communicate with us is through communities of human authors writing, collating, and then even needing to be translated into our language so that we can understand and hear God's word to us. So God is speaking through us in this book that is both human and divine. So, um, sorry, I'll just go back to that next one there. So the Bible is God's word for us, but it's not written directly to us, but to previous communities of God's people. So God, like I said, God's plan and what he did was gave his message to communities. And even in that reading from Joshua before, we saw a time when he, people were told to write and then also called to carry the, the law. It was a community thing that they carried it and wrote it and recorded it. And now we can read it and it's God's word for us and he speaks to us. But it was not written directly to us. And one way we can even recognize that is it was not written in our language. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, the language of the communities that it was written directly to. But it's still for us. And we know that God speaks to us through it. But we need to recognize that when we come to the Bible, we're actually coming to a cross-cultural encounter. <laughs> Sam's going to be teaching us about cross-cultural encounters. And one reason I think why sometimes the Bible can be really hard to understand is when we come to read it, we are having a cross-cultural encounter. We're reading something that was not written in English, that was not written in our culture, that was not written in our time period. It was written in quite a different world and an ancient world thousands of years ago. So if you come to the Bible and you think, well, that's weird, or like, why would they say that? Or that seems really strange. It's like, that's what it's like when you go to a different culture, right? Like if you go to a totally different culture and they're eating weird food and they're they, they have weird practices and you think that's strange and that doesn't make sense. Like that's what it's like in a different culture. So sometimes when we come to the Bible, if it's strange and hard to engage, we need to realize that it's a cross-cultural encounter. We need to understand cultural context to make sense of things, which is why if we don't recognize that and think that this is God speaking directly to me, it can be really weird and confusing. Like if I read second Timothy thinking that he's speaking to me, Timothy, the next few verses, he starts talking about your grandmother Lois and things like that. I'm like, hang on, I don't have a grandmother Lois. Like, that's, that's confusing, right? So it's not directly to me. It's to Timothy in the first century, but God speaks through it still today. It's interesting as well because, because it was written in a different culture, there was also different practices of reading in the culture that it was written to. Um, 
if you read a book in our culture today, um, I kind of think most for most of us, like reading is kind of an individual activity. Um, and it's kind of for a lot of people, it's like a leisure activity. If you're on holidays, if you've got spare time, you might read a book. Um, and maybe it even feels a bit indulgent and you, you spend time by yourself and you read it by yourself and, it, and it's, it's an enjoyable thing. Or maybe you're part of a book club. But in, in general, most people, reading is quite an individual thing today. And most books that we read today even are written by one author, maybe two authors. And often they're written kind of to you, the individual. Like you, you read it as if the author's speaking directly to you. I don't think many of us are reading like ancient documents from ancient cultures very often, maybe unless you're like a scholar or something, um, or you're like Wes and loves Roman history or something like that. But uh, apart from that, like most of us are probably just reading books of uh, our sort of day and age or the last sort of couple of hundred years. Um, and we kind of then reading, when you read, you kind of read in your head normally. We don't really read out loud that often. I don't really read with other people that often. But in the culture that the Bible was written to, people didn't have printing press, didn't have books, didn't have phones, right? There would be a scroll. So if people wanted to, you couldn't just go and read the Bible. You heard the Bible read. Um, you would listen to it read by somebody. And you'd listen to it read in community. Everyone would gather around. Someone would have a scroll. And they would be reading it. And you would be hearing it. And that's actually how it was written to be read, in a sense. Uh, we actually saw that in that, um, that reading that we had before when Joshua um, is leading the people over to the promised land. They actually listen to the scriptures being read out. Um, here, oh, Hebrew. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I didn't study Hebrew at all. So I'm stuck here. Uh, so good thing we've got our English translation. So this was originally written in Hebrew. Again, Joshua 8, 30 to 35. Um, let's go to English. It says this, afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law the blessings and the curses, just as is written in the book of the law. He's reading it out to everybody. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and foreigners who lived among them. Just imagine this. It's the whole assembly of Israel. Everyone's gathered around and they're listening to Joshua read the whole law. <laughs> That's how people engaged with the Bible when it was originally written, right? Like as a community, hearing it read out, and in this case, the whole thing, the whole law read out, like they're listening to it all together. And that's how it was often practiced. This is also true in the New Testament. We'll just skip straight to the English translations here. But in the New Testament, the Bible talks about this. Um, it says this here in First Thessalonians. It says, I charged you, that's, that's you all, everybody there, I charged you before the Lord, to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. It's like saying this needs to be read to everybody. In Colossians, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read to the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Interesting, right? It's assumed that this letter will be read to you. It's not, it's not make sure everyone reads this letter by themselves. It's no, you're going to get together and listen to this letter being read. But then it also says, make sure you read the letter from the later scenes. So this is interesting, right? Like the letter to the Colossians is written to the Colossians, but it's written directly to them, but it's also for the later scenes. 
and they need to read it and hear what Paul said to the Colossians. And in a similar way, right? Like we read Colossians and it's written to the Colossians, but we need to read it because it's also speaking to us as well. And this one from Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul again says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. This is a practice called the public reading of scripture, which Casey just did for us before, right? And it's this idea of actually reading scripture together in community and even publicly letting people hear God's words, hear these ancient documents being read out together. Because it's designed, the Bible's not designed, it's not really designed to be read the way that we read um, scripture. See, the Bible is God's word for us, us together, not just for me individually. And the Bible really encourages us to read it in community with God's people. Now, it's still good to read it individually, and there's still practice for that, and even scriptures that encourage us to read it individually. But that's probably what we're used to, right? Like we're used to thinking, well, if I'm going to read the Bible, I should go by myself in the quiet and and read it. And that's good, and we, we should do that. But that wasn't really what people were doing in the Bible, in the Old Testament, People didn't all have their scroll. Like Joshua is about to cross into the promised land. He doesn't say, hey, everybody, here's a copy of the law. Go go read your copy of the law before we hand into the promised land. Make sure you do your homework. Like, like it doesn't work like that. It couldn't work like that. But even if it did work like that, it's not as powerful as actually being together and hearing it together. Same in the New Testament. It's it's not, oh, let's let's copy Paul's new letter and we'll give you guys copies and you can all you can all read it by yourself. Like they did make lots of copies, but not so that everyone could have their own, um, but so that it could be distributed. And the, the, the power, though, is in actually being together and hearing it together. But in our culture, that's probably strange, right? When we read, we tend to read in our head and alone. But another way to engage with the Bible is to actually for us to read it in community. Now, we already do this. We just did a Bible reading before. That was a public reading of scripture. If you're in a small group, you already read scripture in community. If you do family devotions, you already read scripture in community. Even if you're on like a Bible app and you're like sharing verses with other people, and like that, that's a practice of reading in community. But I suppose um, I encourage you to perhaps experiment with other ways to read in community. I had a great experience um, a couple of times the start of this year uh, where some friends of ours just decided to have some Bible nights. And what they did was said, come around to our place. Um, someone cooked some dinner. And then we sat around in a circle and we just read through a whole gospel. We read through the gospel of Matthew and just read a chapter each around the circle and just did it in one go. And it took like two hours or something like that. And and it wasn't like a study. It wasn't like planned questions. We, we literally just said, let's read the Bible together. And it was so simple, yet it was so powerful because we're together and we're not just reading it in our heads, but we're actually hearing people read it out loud. And there's something about scripture that it's, it's really written to be heard. So when you read it out loud or hear other people read it out loud, it, it's different to just reading it in your head. Hearing it is actually powerful. Hearing it in community 
is powerful. And also reading significant portions in one go is powerful, but that's hard to do, right? Like it's hard to sit down and read the gospel of Matthew out loud in one go by yourself, Like that's quite difficult and probably unlikely thing that most people would do, but being in a community of people sitting around in a circle and reading together, it's kind of just like watching a movie together, but we're reading the Bible and it's, we get to see the life of Jesus and his death and his resurrection in, in one go story. That was really powerful. So we haven't done something like that before. I encourage you even to try something like that and try different ways of actually reading the Bible together in community. Sometimes I think we get hung up and think, well, it needs to be a Bible study and we need preparation and we need commentaries and things like that. And, and that's good too. And, but, but really we can simply just read it and let it speak to us and let God speak to us as we read it and as it was not direct, written directly to us, but let God speak to us through his, his communications to the communities it was written to. As well, another way to read in community is to also read studies and listen to sermons and read commentaries. And when we do that, it's a form of being in community and we read what people throughout history have contributed to understanding of this certain text. And that's a form of getting input from others and thinking and disagreeing and working through and reading in community that God actually designs that we would actually work through this together in community. So um, this might be something that you're already practicing uh, or maybe is something to try as a different way to engage with scripture, to simply just try reading it with others, especially if it's something you find hard to do by yourself. Often things we find hard to do by ourselves Simply, we just need others around us to help. And it even makes it a more enjoyable experience often. So we're in lockdown for the next few days. Um, maybe a good option is, is consider trying to read one of the Gospels or read one of the smaller books in the Bible and read it in one sitting and read it together. Imagine yourself um, sitting around in the first century and you've just received Paul's letter, you're in Rome and you've just received Paul's letter from the Romans and they've said, hey, we've got this letter from Paul. Everyone come around, let's, let's listen to it and then read it out and imagine what it would be like to be there and to be hearing this letter for the first time in a community of Christians in first century Rome. Like, like just try something like that. So I just encourage you, maybe spend some time the next few days or the next week as a part of this series and read some of the scripture together in community, even if it's over the phone or over Zoom. Um, yeah, just have a go at experimenting with just reading together in community. Because um, what we want to do is actually be a community that lives by this story. This is, um, the Bible is actually a unified story that points to Jesus, is the true story about the world. And actually what we want it to do is shape our lives so much that we actually live in that story and carry God's word and God's message to our world. Um, this is not a book that we read and then we kind of go back to our everyday life. The idea is that we actually see our everyday life, see our whole world through the lens of scripture. You know, when you watch a great movie or, or you read a great fictional story um, or like a sci-fi movie or a fantasy movie or something, and it's like a different world and you come out of the movie and you're like, I've just been to another world or you read a book and it's like you're in this other world and it's just amazing. And then the book ends and you have to come back to the real world. In some ways, the Bible is the opposite of that. When we read the Bible and see the world the way that God says it is, 
the world with God at the center, the world of God's, the story of God's acts in history, that's the real world. And as we enter that story and live from that story, we're living more and more in the real world. The world that we experience that is, doesn't, doesn't, is, that's not aligned to God's story and scriptures is that's not the real world. Essentially, when we want to enter the Bible, we want to enter the real world. We want that story to shape us and shape our view of the world. And the goal is that we are a community that carry that story and live by that story and, in a sense, continue that story because it's not finished until Jesus returns. Just as we finish, I'll just read this quote that um, kind of summarizes that idea um, from Tom Wright. It says this, um, Tell someone a story and invite them into a community of people living by that story. And you invite them to step into a different world. You invite them to share an entire world view. And when someone comes into the gospel story and finds how compelling it is, it begins to quietly shatter the worldview that they were in already. There is no telling what can happen when God himself breathes new lives and new worlds into being through his word. So God's word is powerful. It's written to communities, to shape communities, to be more like him and to carry his message to the world. And we want to be a community engaged with the Bible. So I'm going to pray for that and pray for us. And then we'll continue um, this journey um, next few weeks as well. So let's pray. Father, just thank you so much for your word um, that we have so readily accessible in our culture on phones and computers. Um, many of us have multiple copies in our homes. And but we just even think of those who don't have it in their own language or in their um, easily accessible and pray that that would be made possible, Lord. Um, just thank you for how accessible it is to us. And we just ask God that you would engage our hearts afresh with your word and your truth and your story. Give us grace to understand the different cultural contexts and, and ways that you've decided to communicate throughout history. And would you speak to our hearts and shape our hearts as we understand more of what you're saying to us and, and how the world truly is with you at the center of it and you working in history. So Lord, would you bless us as a community to be a community engaged with scripture? Would you bless us to be able to read together, to grow together, to hear the words of God in our own language translated and make, help us make sense of it in everyday life. So we just honour you, just praise you today, Jesus, in your name. Amen.